0: Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its Soundness Initiative. This episode is sponsored by the Finest Service Organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. I am Ken Vader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I have a great guest, another great guest, a fun guest, because we were already laughing and having a good time before I pressed record. Hopefully that will continue, uh, but today I have the privilege of having Kevin Lawrence, who's a speaker, lobbyist, law enforcement advocate, most importantly for the purposes of this discussion, the executive director of the Texas Municipal Police Association. Kevin, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: I even got a sir. I don't. I don't ever get sir on my shows. You know, especially <laughs> Public Safety Talk Radio. Thank you. It must. It must be a polite, professional Texas thing. Who knows?
1: Well, I, I am a native Texan. Born and bred so...
0: Good for you. Good for you. I. I love Texas. We'll be there in a, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> be there in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to it. Uh, but I think the first question. Because, you know, I've had the privilege of working with a number of first responder associations um, through a couple of, of different avenues. And all of them are doing good work on, on some level. Um, you are the Texas Municipal Police Association. That's a whole state. Usually they're covering a county or a city or, or just a department. Tell us you know, exactly what the Texas Municipal Police Association provides and why law enforcement in the state of Texas you know, should be partnering with you guys in one way, shape, or form.
1: Well, first of all, let me make sure you understand. The words municipal and police in yeah. our name are out of date. Okay. We were formed in 1950 primarily to try- Sounds like
0: a branding people. problem. Do you need a high-priced consultant?
1: Hey, you know, the other thing is, we're just, too, we're just too hard-headed to change our name. <laughs> <laughs> We've been around for 75 years now, and we just can't bring ourselves to say, okay, mm-hmm. maybe it's time to change that. We represent- Officers from all different types, ranks, files of agencies, state officers, county officers, school district, uh, university officers, and municipal officers. And we rep- We also represent uh, corrections officers, communications officers, anybody in a public safety-related career is welcome to be a member of TMPA. We are primarily peace officers. Uh, but you have to understand, Texas has more law enforcement agencies than California, Florida, mm-hmm. New York, and Illinois combined. Combined, yeah. We we have got twenty nine. We we got eighty thousand cops at over twenty nine hundred different agencies, sixty percent of which employ fewer than ten officers. So, if you look at the Houston Police Officers Union, they're pretty mm-hmm. much autonomous. They have their own in-house legal plan, their own lobbyists. They they represent their members in their meet and confer negotiations with the city. Uh, Dallas Police Association, same thing. Harris County Deputies Organization, our, our largest county, which is Houston. Right. Same thing. Then you look at those agencies that are... The next level down: Fort Worth, San Antonio, Austin, El Paso. They're they're members of our competitors, combined, combined law enforcement associations of Texas, which was an offshoot from us back in the nineteen seventies. Mm-hmm. Everything else, everything from Arlington on down, Pasadena, you know, Conroe, Irving, uh, they're all part of us. Mm-hmm. Fort Bend County, Montgomery County, uh, Collin County, all the way down to Muleshoe and Point Blank they're all tmpa members so, <laughs> so and what we do is we provide the services that houston dallas harris county provide to their members but we do it to all of those groups on a on a more global basis mm-hmm. so we do lobbying at the local state and federal level we provide training like it's going out of style because there's a there's a, a, a void there uh, yeah uh, that needs to be fixed um and we provide legal assistance. And we do it different than everybody else. We don't use staff attorneys, we use private practice attorneys. Our members are allowed to go and pick the attorney they want that they feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. We negotiate an hourly rate with them and then we pay the bill. Uh, And we think that's important because we want the lawyers' loyalties to be to the member and not to the organization. Right. So, and that's—I think—that's what sets us apart from just about every other organization in the country. We have the best legal plan, the best model. Awesome!
0: That great answer, and yeah, I, I love what you said about training because uh, I'm a big training advocate, and we'll we'll get into training in a minute. Uh, but you know, we'll get we'll get to the the brand name for a se- for a second. You know, sometimes you know even those seemingly outdated names you know have a lot of cachet in people's minds and hearts you know case in point you before we press record um one of our biggest supporters chicago patrolman's federal credit union that owns the national police credit union that operates in in texas um also owns police mortgage which which operates in in texas um they've had that chicago patrolman's name for years and decades and decades and decades They actually went to their membership and asked, should we change it? Because not only is it a little bit sexist, we have so many great women that, uh, that are on the police force right now. Uh, but also it's not even a rank. Patrolman hasn't been a, a rank for you know decades. And so many people, even the women, you know, new women on the force, you know, said no, keep the name. It speaks to tradition. So maybe that's what you know you're you're running into in terms of keeping you know Texas Municipal Police Association. <laughs> it is,
1: and, and in all honesty, the only place that ever hurts us is at the Texas Capitol. Mm. Where you get newer members, newer elected officials, or newer staffers, and they're like, okay, so what do the municipal police think about this? And then we have to take the time to explain to them. We represent a lot more than just the municipal police. But that's about the only place that hurts us. The rest of the time, we feel like we've got a very strong uh history, uh, very strong track record. Uh, and and so it's, and it's almost like We don't even use the words Texas Municipal Police Association. It's just TMPA, kind of like KFC is no longer Kentucky Fried Chicken. Exactly. (laughs) And
0: and nobody, I don't think, remembers what 3M actually stands for anymore. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, For for all you listeners out there, email it to me, and I'll tell you if you're right or not. Uh, But let's get into the training. Uh, Training is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I think that you know, our our police and given where we're going, you know, in the next generation, you know, if, if I could say it that way of law enforcement, yeah, you know, we, we need training, you know, we need highly educated, you know, well-trained officers out there. Um, if for no other reason to be able to protect themselves and their families, frankly. You know, tell us what you're doing in terms of training for, for law enforcement in Texas.
1: Well, first of all, yeah, I'm going to kind of kind of look at this, work this backwards on you. Sure. Uh, this is a huge issue going into the to the 2023 Texas legislative session. Our legislature only meets every other year for five months, and so the 23 session. Law enforcement training is going to be a big issue because our post, our state commission on law enforcement, is under sunset review and has been for several years now, and they keep kicking that can down the road. But one of the issues is it's finally becoming uh, common knowledge to are the citizens of this state? And I apologize for the dog in the background. She's in there crated up, and she is not happy about
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I, I, A, I didn't even hear the dog until you mentioned it. And, and B, okay, you know, we we love dogs on our show. You should have you should have him or her on your lap. But go ahead.
1: <laughs> uh, so uh, we have been arguing for years, telling the legislature training in Texas is woefully inadequate and and sadly the same is probably true a lot of states the amount of training required to become a licensed peace officer in texas is less than half of the amount of training required to become a licensed cosmetologist (laughs) and then we have to do 40 hours of in-service training every two years to maintain our licenses but that 40 hours or 20 hours a year is almost always dominated by specific classes that are mandated by the legislature based upon knee-jerk reactions to anecdotal situations. The flavor of the month comes Mm -hmm. along. And I'm going to give you an example, and I don't want this to sound bad because if if anybody's listening to my dog barking there, you know I'm a dog lover. (laughs) Not that dog, but I love dogs. (laughs) That's, it's that's not a, right this moment, but go ahead. That's, that's my wife's dog. That's a four-legged toilet brush is what that is. <laughs> uh,
0: well, you know, this is on recording. I may send that to your wife. I'm sure that'll... that <laughs> oh, that'll, she's, heard, she's, she's heard it, heard it before. before. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead.
1: Um, a, a, few, a few sessions ago, we had an incident up in the Fort Worth area where an officer shot a dog. And there was a lot of, it was recorded by some neighbors and a a lot of brouhaha about whether or not it was necessary. So the legislature passed a bill that said every cop in the state of Texas had to go through training every two years on how not to shoot a dog. Not opposed to that, not opposed Mm -hmm. to that, but nowhere have we ever said every cop has to go through training on on how not to shoot a human being. Yeah, we don't mandate that officers go through recurring arrest, search, and seizure updates. We we now finally require that they go through some legislative updates. But for for non police arrest, search, and seizure law changes daily. Not and it's you know because it doesn't. It almost never comes from our legislature, from our state legislature, or from Congress. Arrest, search, and seizure law comes from the courts, from mm-hmm. the courts interpreting. You know. Miranda came from the courts. Matt versus Ohio came from the courts. Garrity, uh, uh, even the Brady law, the Brady mm. that are out there, all come—they're all court-initiated things. And those things happen every day. And since we're out there enforcing the, you know, you know, uh, arrest, search, and seizure laws, we have to understand how the courts are changing their interpretations of the Fourth Amendment day in and day out. Mm. So that's where we're woefully lacking. So we have, for a long time, argued we need more and better training. The agencies, the small sheriff's offices, the small cities would come in and go, yeah, but we can't afford it. We, all the training takes place in Austin or Dallas. Mm-hmm. or Houston. We can't afford to send our officers from Pecos to Austin, yeah. you know, however many times. And we said, you know what, that's a very good point. So give us a training agreement. And we will take it on the road. Mm-hmm. So we did this simply to fill a vacuum, to fill a void. Uh, the agency should be providing it. The state should be providing it. But since they're not, we do. We step in and we so we take training anywhere in the state of Texas.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. But you know, you didn't mention San Antonio or South Padre Island, especially the <laughs> latter. I think that's where training should should happen. I would even attend that.
1: You know, a lot of training happens in Corpus, which is the, mm-hmm. the northern end, I guess, of Padre Island. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we go down to Padre on a fairly regular basis. San Antonio, unfortunately, is with our competitors. So,
0: ah, uh, okay, now I now I get it. No river walk for anybody.
1: <laughs> well, we still we still go to the Riverwalk on a, as a matter of fact. Our our conference year before last was. Last year, the one before this year, was actually on the Riverwalk.
0: Ah, nice. Well, you know, you, you've done this before because you've given me a perfect segue because I understand you're in the process of planning the 2023 annual conference uh, yes. for the TMPA. Uh, tell us about where that's going to be in 2023 and what attendees can expect. Now a word from one of the POCUA's proud business partners, OfficerPrivacy.com. OfficerPrivacy.com was founded by Pete James, a law enforcement professional with over 25 years of experience. Pete wanted to find a way to help law enforcement officers protect themselves and their families. So he formed a team to create a way to quickly identify and remove their information from certain sites. OfficerPrivacy.com is the result. This service is already offered through a select few of our POCUA organizations. As a listener of Public Safety Talk Radio, you can take advantage of a special offer from officerprivacy.com. Go to officerprivacy.com slash POCUA, and when you sign up, you'll get two additional bonuses. In addition to removing your personal information from the top 30 people search sites, they will give you your first two months of monitoring free. This is a value of $39.98. In addition to that, you'll receive a cell phone privacy device, a $19.99 value. This prevents data from leaving your cell phone when you use public charging stations and is a must when traveling. So go to officerprivacy.com slash POCUA today to take advantage of this offer and to protect your privacy organizations who are members of the POCUA and are interested in offering the service directly to their members, contact us at POCUA at btcinc.org.
1: Well, fortunately, I, I found this out yesterday. Uh, it's going to be at uh, um, uh, Hyatt property in downtown Dallas. Right? Okay. It's in the reunion plaza. Mm-hmm the the big building with a green ball, yep. yeah, and what uh, what people can expect is you know what what we always do we we put on some good training, we bring in some really great speakers. Uh, we do our constitutional duty and we elect a brand new we elect our board every year. Our board serves one one year terms. now they a lot of them will get reelected repeatedly, mm. uh, but we will turn over three or four or five or six board positions um, and, we do a little partying. <laughs> we've been we've been invited not to come back to some of the finest resorts in Texas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, <clears throat> hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen uh, in
1: 2023.
0: So you yeah, tell well, us. Wait, what...
1: Let me let me point this out though. Ours is good, clean fun. I mean. It's, you know, <laughs> The other guys tend to have gunplay and assaults and stuff to take place. (laughs) We've we've never been accused of that. Yeah. We do do a little drinking, though.
0: (laughs) Well, the last conference that that I ran was in Savannah, Georgia, and we were fortunate enough to not only have uh, active and retired police officers, we had a couple of firefighters, a couple of former EMTs, And I joked and said, you know, if something goes down here, not only do we have protection, but if I get shot, I got people that know what to do. (laughs) fortunately, that did not happen.
1: (laughs) There's, there's this, you know, kind of a fun rivalry between police and fire. We love to rib one another, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, but you know the old Mm -hmm. joke is, what do police officers and firefighters have in common? The answer is they both want to be firefighters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what?
0: I actually had a guest on this show who um uh, former Air Force <clears throat> And uh, an awesome uh, law enforcement professional and said, you know, maybe I should have gotten into fire instead. And once I got out of the Air Force rather than going into law enforcement. But
1: I can't possibly tell you how many veteran cops I've talked to have said, if I had it to do over again, Mm -hmm. I would go into the fire service.
0: Yeah, the fire department. <laughs> yeah, and you usually, while fire is can be unpredictable, it usually doesn't shoot directly at you.
1: Uh... <laughs> and, you and you don't have to tell your own bosses they've done something wrong. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. So, other than other than the conferences, we begin to wrap up a little bit. You know, what uh, is on the horizon for the Texas Municipal Police Association in 2023 and beyond? What can members look forward to?
1: Uh, well, the biggest thing is going to be the legislative session. That what's mm-hmm. going to happen with regard to uh, our, our Commission on Law Enforcement, the Sunset provision, there's going to be changes made there. We're just not exactly sure what those changes are going to be. And I will tell you, our position is, Again, historically, the state has never given the commission on law enforcement the the proper resources to do the job correctly, uh-huh. and so and I've I've been quoted several times as saying they need to to backorder the commas and zeros right now for the physical notes that it's going to take to start doing it right. But we've got to stop trying to, to provide public safety services to the citizens of Texas on the economy plan. Uh-huh. The other is going to be the fallout from Uvalde. Uh, You know, there's been a a lot of disinformation starting in the first hour of that uh, tragedy about law enforcement's response to it. And I'm not going to get into the, the disinformation that's been put out. But as all the facts are coming out, it is becoming more and more evident that we need to do a much better job of not only training our law enforcement officers, but managing and leading them as well. Uh we have a. our general counsel is not a career police officer. His his background is in litigation, and mm-hmm. we were very fortunate to get him at a point in his career where he wanted to do something that he actually believed in, which is strange for lawyers, you know, that's not what they <laughs> <do>. <laughs> But he's now been working for us for 15 years and with no background in law enforcement, he he will tell you he now is convinced that law enforcement is the worst managed profession he has ever seen Hmm. there are a lot of dynamics that play into that but we need to provide these all and and it's amazing what a great job our, our job that our cops do day in and day out given the lack of leadership the lack of of management good management that we have and the lack of training that's being offered by the state by the local agencies These cops are teaching themselves. They're taking it upon themselves Mm -hmm. to pay out of their own pocket to get training so they can do the job as well as they can. I'm not saying they never get it wrong. We do. We're human. And -hmm. as long as we keep staffing law enforcement with humans, we're going to get human errors and human failures, human frailties. But the overwhelming majority of the time, they get it right. And I challenge anybody to show me another profession that does as good a job of policing their own as we do. Certainly not the legal profession, not politicians, <laughs> not even the clergy. You know, yeah, it, and certainly not healthcare. <laughs>
0: right. It's it's my hope uh, that it, that I'll be around to to see this, but it's always been my belief, as a civilian um, who supports all first responders, that uh, that the Cachet, if you will, or the uh, the level of respect that we give to, say, a doctor or a, a lawyer, you know, is there as well for a firefighter or a police officer, yeah, you know, that yeah you know, they get those as you spoke to those resources to be on that level and to to be at that level of profession, and, and do the specific job that they're meant to do. Um, which is to serve and protect it, and not just simply be a catch-all for every call that a garbage can is in an intersection or you know, there's there's you know there's a, a homeless person that you know is two blocks away from me do something about it you know I think that that may be a job for uh, somebody else. Uh, but you know certainly if somebody is breaking into my house, I don't want them to send a social worker I want them to send a cop. <laughs>
1: You know, a, a couple of things that you said there, one, uh, you know, th- the comparison with, with firefighters, uh, another thing that we're going to be dealing with in 23 that we're already trying to deal with is the recruiting and retention crisis mm-hmm. going yep. on in law enforcement. It, it's I re- read an article the other day about the number of officers who have, and, and younger, newer officers that have told their agencies, you know what, I want to go apply to the fire department. I've mm-hmm. changed my mind. I want a different career path. Uh, But even at that, fire fire departments are also suffering. And we have this anti-government, you know. Slant, yeah, I I know what you're saying. The culture, it's an anti-government culture. And our first responders are, you know, almost always, the The main point of contact between our citizens and our government, and I think our first responders are are simply catching a lot of that distrust for government, uh-huh. and it's being personified onto into that those contacts. Um, so that that is something we are going to have to address as we as, as we move forward. And, and in all honesty, I don't know what the answer is. There's just fewer and fewer and fewer people who want to do this job anymore. Uh, And the other point is this, law enforcement officers, again, we we should not support our law enforcement officers unequivocally. Uh We need to be held to a higher standard, there's no doubt. As the Supreme Court has said repeatedly, you also have to consider giving the benefit of the doubt to the people who are actually willing to take on that role Uh and go out there and try, you know, the ones who are willing to go through this process. And and go out there and deal with the BS they have to deal with day in and day out. Because, you know, in all honesty, we ask our law enforcement officers to see things that human beings just Mm -hmm. shouldn't see and and deal with things that human beings shouldn't have to deal with. And then we want a Monday morning quarterback everything they do. And, And the Supreme Court has said repeatedly, there was a case out of North Carolina a few years ago I think sums it up perfectly. We have no right to expect our law enforcement officers to behave perfectly Mm -hmm. human. They will never behave perfectly. All we have a right to expect is that they perform reasonably. Mm -hmm. That's why the reasonableness standard that a lot of these advocates want to get rid of is the only standard that will work in a nation of laws.
0: Yeah agreed agreed you know I on this on this show we've talked about this before and um, I'm trying to remember to give credit to the expert that I have had on but uh, he or she said something to the effect of some of the things that we're seeing with PTSD PTSI and 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 other issues. Yeah, have to do with you know, a normal person having a normal reaction to seeing or dealing with something that's very abnormal. Um, yeah, you know, the civilian you know may deal with one traumatic you know issue or experience in their life. Uh, a police officer may have one of those a week.
1: <laughs> right, and just imagine, and again, in and Uvalde, let's. We can talk all day long about that hour, hour and 20 minutes, everything, you know, uh-huh. after that, law enforcement officers, first responders have to go in there and witness the carnage, uh-huh. and deal with the aftermath, do the investigating, do, you know, um, just what? how does anybody sleep after having to see, you know, that, that kind of stuff? By the way, have you ever had Stephanie Samuels on your show?
0: I have not, but we can we can make that happen.
1: Stephanie's the founder and owner of Copline. Okay, yeah, a, I've heard of Copline. Uh, I think she might be a, an interesting guest for you.
0: We we'd love to have her and uh, yeah, we we are huge, huge advocates of the POC Way and public safety talk radio of that emotional soundness pillar. And uh, we promote as much as we can, all of those resources. Um, we partner with Serve and Protect out of Tennessee, but they are not the only folks out there. And right. uh, the founder of that organization would be the first to tell you is uh, if you really do need help, call somebody. If it's not us, you know, call somebody else, uh, whether it's Copline right. or or your partner or somebody that you can trust um, to have that initial conversation. Right. So and
1: absolutely. And, and, you know, Cop, well, the, 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 one of my employees, the one that used to work in Englewood, he's actually on their board of directors. When they first reached out to us and said, hey, we'd like to visit with you guys about helping us do some training or whatever, Uh, we learned what they do and we were like that's a no-brainer absolutely yeah Uh, because historically we get phone calls i i I can't tell you and by the way i was a cop for 20 some odd years before i came to work for tmba i was on the tmba board while i was an active duty cop and then they said hey how about how about we start paying you to do what you've been doing for free and i was like (laughs) let me think about that for a second and a half Uh, um Yeah, we get phone calls from officers who have been involved in a critical incident. They've been involved. They've seen those things. They've seen that carnage. And they're just having trouble. And at 3 in the morning when they're in a mental health crisis, they don't know who to call. They'll call us, you know. And we're we're not trained professionals when it comes to that sort of stuff. So partnering up with somebody like CopLine was just an absolute no-brainer, you know, a 24-hour hotline that any cop or retired cop can pick up the phone and just find somebody who's been there. And everybody that answers that phone is a veteran police officer who has now been specially trained to take those calls and refer those folks to the right people, so...
0: Exactly. exactly. I love what what you're doing there. I love what the the Texas Municipal Police Association is doing. Last question before we wrap up for those officers, those folks in Texas that want to reach out to your association, whether it's to to obtain training, whether it's to attend the conference, whether it is to partner with you in some way, how best can they get a hold of a Kevin Lawrence and a TMPA (laughs) out there?
1: Well, I tell people all the time, I'm not hard to find, but I am hard to catch. So our 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 website is easy, www.tmpa.org. It's got to be an org because if you put com, you're going to get the Texas Municipal Power Authority or something like that. Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> so tmpa.org. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on all the all the various formats or just Use the old-fashioned way and call 800-848-2088 or just send me an email and I'll direct it to the right people. And my email is extremely difficult. It's Kevin at TMPA.org.
0: That is a tough one. Uh, But what isn't a tough one is having a conversation with you. I, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion. And thank you so much for taking some time with us today.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. How you doing? <laughs> thank you so much. It's my privilege. And thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we'll be back with you next week with another great guest. Public Safety Talk Radio was produced by the POCUA. The POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.PoliceCreditUnions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.